Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Luke's English Podcast is sponsored by Audible. That's the world's leading provider of downloadable audio books. And if you'd like to download a free audiobook of your choice as part of a 30-day trial with Audible, then just go to audibletrial.com slash teacherluke or click an Audible logo that you can see on my website. Okay, now then, here's a new episode. And this one is all about Lord of the Rings and different accents that you can hear in the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, I'm not really talking about the story that much. Uh, but uh, Lord of the Rings is a fantastic story. You can get uh, the Lord of the Rings books as audio books from Audible. So if you're wondering which book you'd like to download free, then why not try something like The Fellowship of the Ring or The Hobbit, for example? Um, you can get them from Audible. Anyway, this one's uh, about Lord of the Rings and the accents that you can hear in those movies. Um, and so let's get started. And here's the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello there, you're listening to a new episode of Luke's English Podcast. And in this one, I'm talking about uh, the different accents that you can hear in the Lord of the Rings movies. Okay, Lord of the Rings. Um, I expect that you know about these films because uh, they're extremely famous uh, I wonder if Lord of the Rings has a different title in your country. Uh, let me just sort of explain it a little bit so that you know which films I'm talking about. Lord of the Rings, you know, um, based on books that were written by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, and uh, the the movies were made, uh, I guess, about 15 years ago. The, the first one, I think, came out about 15 years ago, uh, directed by Peter Jackson. And it's a kind of fantasy um, story set in a, a place called Middle Earth, and it's basically about how, um, oh, how do you summar summarize it into one sentence? Um, an evil bad guy called Sauron uh, creates this ring, which is extremely powerful, and um, he uses it to try and take over the world, but uh, he loses the ring, and uh, many, many, many years later, it's found by um, a hobbit, and, uh, and, Eventually, this turns into a big adventure where um, the hobbits have to try and destroy the ring so that Sauron can, you know, doesn't get it back. Um, all right, that's my in a nutshell summary of Lord of the Rings. You know, Frodo Baggins, Bilbo Baggins, Gandalf, Sauron, um, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli the Dwarf. Right, I think you know what I'm talking about. Mountains, swords, um, monsters and wizards and things. Um, I absolutely love the books. Um, it may be my favourite book of all time, um, the original uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, and uh, the movies are pretty good too. I like the first one, The Fellowship of the Ring. That's probably the best one in my opinion. Um, and um, I think that Peter Jackson did a pretty good job of making a film out of um, a very complex, long fantasy story it must have been very difficult to realize um that book in the form of a film i think he did very well it's not perfect there are some things that i'm not so keen on particularly in the second and third films uh, but generally speaking i think that they're good i think they're really good entertainment and i think that uh, peter jackson did a good job of um like uh, adapting the books into movies all right so that's lord of the rings now i'm not talking about the films so much in this episode um, that's perhaps another episode for another time. But what I'm focusing on here is um, the different 
accents in English that you can hear from the different characters in the Lord of the Rings movies, right? Um, So why am I talking about this? Well, Lord of the Rings is brilliant and it's nice to talk about it. And secondly, um, it just gives us a chance to focus on different accents. Now, in the last episode of this podcast, I think it was the last one, um, I talked about accents a little bit at the end of the episode, specifically posh accents, because I got a question from a listener asking me uh, to describe my dad's accent. Um, And so I talked about that a little bit at the end of episode 403. Um, And talking about that made me think about accents a lot. Um, And it just made me think about accents and how I can explain accents to you. There are so many ways of dealing with the subject of accents uh, on this podcast. Um, And so I started thinking about the different British accents that you can hear in films for example, I was thinking of how maybe we could sort of um, examine different accents that you might have heard. And then I thought of Lord of the Rings. And, you know, and I, I realised that uh, Lord of the Rings is incredibly popular. So many of you will have seen the films and know them very well. And also the other thing about Lord of the Rings is that there's a very wide range of British accents in that, uh, in that series of movies. All right. So what we're going to do in this episode is identify the different accents that you can hear in the films and consider the reasons why these accents were chosen for these characters. Um, along the way, the plan is to listen to a few different British accents. Maybe I can find some little extracts from the film on YouTube or something, uh, and listen to them a little bit in order to actually hear samples of the accents that you can hear in the film. Um, it'll probably be necessary for me to copy the accents a little bit as well sometimes. Uh, and there will probably be some general chat about Lord of the Rings a little bit because I'll be talking about the characters and and their and their personalities and uh, the sort of geographical locations in the film and how they sort of are reflected in geographical locations in the UK um, so um, all right so this is just one episode about accents that I've been inspired to do today um, and if I have time I might record another one in which I go into some more specific details about uh, other accents. For example, I was going to talk about posh accents and posh people. That might be another one I, I do if I have time. But this one's going to be about accents in The Lord of the Rings. Um, and uh, it will cover quite a lot of different accents because there's quite a wide variety in The Lord of the Rings film universe. Now, before we start examining um, the characters in Lord of the Rings, um, let me just give a super basic summary of accents in the UK. And I'm going to try and keep it simple because this could get complicated. So I'm going to try and sum it up uh, pretty clearly just to make sure that we're all on the same page on the subject of accents. And this is important sort of foundation um, knowledge that you need to know in order to understand um, the other things I'm going to talk about regarding accents in Lord of the Rings. So accents in the UK, yes, we have a wide variety. Um, the difference in accents is, is based on region. So there are different accents for different regions in the country. And um, the UK is not huge. It's not a massive country, but we have an incredible level of diversity in accents. For example, you can just travel uh, half an hour by car between two different places and the accents are really different, like really completely different. For example, it takes you just about an hour and a half to drive from London to Birmingham, but the accents are really different. Um, and uh, so there, there's a, a massive variety. I mean, it, it, if I, you probably can't count the distinct regional accents on two hands. You know, it's more than ten, definitely. In fact, you know, it's probably when you really focus on it, there's probably something like twenty to thirty distinct regional accents across the country, um, at least. So it's based on region, but it's also related to class. Okay, class, the class system. And class is a fairly old concept, you could say. Some people argue that we don't really have the class system anymore. But essentially, the class system, as it used to be defined, let's, if we keep it simple, you've got lower class or working class, uh, then middle class, and then upper class. Essentially, working class, I mean, it, uh, the class distinctions are based not just on the amount of money that you have, 
but also things like the kind of lifestyle you have and also the family connections. That's probably the most important thing. So upper class people have um, aristocratic connections in there somewhere. They've got connections to royalty or very uh, high status people. Uh, Middle class people... um, they, they they probably have money and they, they have some wealth, but they don't have the aristocratic connections. And working class people essentially come from a family background that doesn't have much money. They might have worked on the land or worked in factories, uh, you know, years ago. Um, okay, and so they're, they're very much sort of... Um, uh, what's the word for it? Very, I guess, local. That's why you often find that working class people have strong regional accents. Um, okay. Now, it's a little bit risky to talk about class because whenever you do that, you know, you start saying controversial things and people disagree with you. But I'm just trying to keep it simple. So it's re- it's based on region and it's also related to class. And generally speaking, people from a working class background tend to speak with uh, the regional accent from the area where they live or grew up. Those regional accents get less strong as you move up the social order, let's say, with middle and upper middle class people speaking a less region-specific accent um, known as received pronunciation, or RP, which is also called BBC English. Um, It's also sometimes called the Queen's English, which is a bit misleading because the Queen speaks in in an extremely posh way, which is not the same as as how most sort of uh, middle class people speak. Um, so received pronunciation or standard received pronunciation or BBC English, it's kind of the accent of the middle classes, although there is a lot of variety in the middle classes too, and you might find sort of lower middle class and upper middle class distinctions. Um, I speak uh, received pronunciation. Um, I would say that I come from a middle class or an upper middle class family background, broadly speaking. Um, Now, there are some regional variations of received pronunciation. For example, if you're from a sort of lower middle class background, you might still have, you know, some traces of, of uh, the regional accent in your voice. Uh, so there is some, there are some regional variations of received pronunciation. But generally, if people speak, if people speak, no, no one speaks. That's not a word. Um, if people speak like me, then they're speaking standard British received pronunciation, okay? Then as you continue uh, up to the upper class people uh, who you might describe as posh, you start hearing a kind of heightened RP or posh accent. And for example, the Queen is the poshest person in the country and she speaks this kind of royal heightened RP. Um, Now, these distinctions of class are not always the case, of course. You might find someone who comes from a very posh, aristocratic family who doesn't speak heightened RP. Similarly, you might find someone who's very wealthy and powerful who speaks with a regional accent. Uh, There are exceptions. uh, And also, there's an argument to say that the class system doesn't really apply anymore. But honestly, I think it's still true to, to an extent. Working class if you've got a working class background, you'll probably speak with a regional accent unless you lost it somewhere along the way. Um, and if you're middle class, you're more likely to speak um, standard received pronunciation like me. And if you're upper class, um, you're more likely to speak heightened RP or posh English. Okay, so that's how it relates to class. It also relates to time to an extent, um, meaning sort of the past. Uh, heightened RP, that kind of posh English, used to be a lot more normal and common uh, than it is today. So if you go back, um, let's say, 50 years um, you and you turn on the television in the UK, you would have been a lot more likely to hear uh, heightened RP on the TV and on the radio. So there was a time when everyone on the BBC spoke with heightened RP which is that old-fashioned version of BBC English. Like, this is the voice of the BBC. You know, um, that kind of thing. Broadcasting from Broadcasting House. That's uh, sort of an old-fashioned heightened RP. Nowadays, most of the voices that you get on the BBC are standard RP. 
Um, and also plenty of TV presenters today have regional accents. So you're, you're much more likely to hear different regional accents on, on TV these days, especially on shows that have a broad popular appeal, shows that uh, are appealing to the masses. You tend to find that uh, um, regional accents are very common in those shows. Uh, for example, a show like uh, The One Show on the BBC... Uh, That's an entertainment show which is on the TV at, I think it's about 7pm every day in the UK. And it attracts a huge audience uh, across the country. And that show features, I guess, middle class presenters who speak with slight regional accents. I think that uh, one of the presenters is from Wales and she's definitely got a Welsh accent. And the other one, I think, comes from Manchester. You can hear his Manchester accent. Uh, Because these days, people like that. People want to hear those local accents on the television. Um, It you know, local accents don't have the kind of stigma that they used to have back in uh, the olden days uh, when the only accents that you could hear on the BBC would be this kind of very formal sounding, very old fashioned, quite posh voice. This is the voice of the BBC. That's uh, the only accent that that was broadcast in the past. These days, we're a lot more sort of egalitarian about, um, you know, about social class and things like that. And so um, you, you're much more likely to hear regional variations and local accents uh, on, you know, primetime TV. Um, because if you speak with a, a slight regional accent, it probably means that you're a normal person who comes from a normal local place. And the news is still read by... The news, yes, is still read by people with received pronunciation, although you might find there's there's a there's a presenter a news presenter called Hugh Edwards who's got a bit of a Welsh accent but it's kind of Welsh RP really um so the news is still read by people with RP because it's neutral and it sounds educated and therefore it's the sort of the well-informed voice of the news but if you're watching an entertainment show like the one show you're very likely to hear different regional voices um And uh, we do have certain associations with different accents. And these associations are quite complex. For example, people say um, that they find certain accents to be more or less trustworthy or warm or sexy or irritating or urban or rural, high class, low class, etc. There seem to be different associations with different accents. And, you know, there isn't a clear hierarchy in terms of, um, let's say, how we we like accents. For example, you might put someone on TV um, with a a kind of a posh voice and, and you know, people might hate them, you know? Uh, Similarly, you put someone on TV with a very local voice and everyone finds it really charming. So there's... It's all very subjective, uh, really. Um, in the UK, people judge each other by their accents all the time without even realising they're doing it. Um, it's one of the uh, it's 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 one of the biggest indicators of your social class or your background, your level of education, or even your wealth, for example. Now, we shouldn't judge each other by our accents. We really shouldn't because it it's no it's no indication of the value of that person as an individual. But I think that people do judge each other by their accents, um, you know, for good or bad, you know. Um, Now, um, I mean, I should probably give you an example. Like, for example, okay, if I I went to do a stand-up comedy show in Liverpool on a Saturday night in front of a large crowd of slightly drunk scousers just a typical sort of audience i mean the the kind of audience you'd find anywhere in the country but in this case i'm in liverpool let's say um if if i went up and started speaking to the audience with my voice i'm sure that some of them would take an instant dislike to me because i have this middle class london accent right so you know we all have prejudices against each other um and um, these things come out, they're revealed by uh, the person's accent and other people's responses to your accent. Um, in fact, there's a quote by George Bernard Shaw um, in the preface to Pygmalion. And George Bernard Shaw said, It's impossible for an Englishman to open his mouth 
without making some other Englishman hate or despise him. Which means that we all judge each other on our accents and uh, different groups sort of uh, will hate each other for different reasons, you know? Like, for example, a very sort of uh, upper-class person, um, if they heard a Cockney, let's say, speak saying, like, I ain't done nothing wrong, for example, that would be a Cockney, uh, I ain't done nothing wrong, that sort of local accent. If, uh, if I don't know, possibly like one upper-class person heard that, they might look down their nose at that person, as if to say, you know... Um, what's this ugly version of English that you're speaking? That's quite an old-fashioned ver- view. But similarly, if you got... Yeah, if I went into a, a, a like a, a nightclub uh, to do comedy in Liverpool and I said, hi, everyone, nice to be here, um, they'd, you know, some of them would instantly hate me because of uh, the associations that they have with me, that I'm probably... I come from, you know, a slightly wealthier family than them in some cases... Um, and I come from the south, I come from London, and there's a bit of um, sort of uh, resentment uh, between the north and the south, uh, often from the north to the south. For example, the people in the north sometimes resent people in London because they feel that they are self-involved and uh, and they are selfish and they keep all of the wealth for themselves and things like that. Uh, and in London, you might people would look to the north and just not care, you know. Um, So all of these sorts of divisions and um, uh, prejudices that different people have uh, about each other come out in the attitudes they have towards the the way that we speak. So the way that we speak reveals um, uh, sort of important details about uh, our background and about who we really are. Okay, Um, so yeah, people shouldn't judge each other by their accents, but they do. It's a pity. Now, I'm not talking here in this episode about how you can learn to speak with a British accent. That's another topic for another time. But one thing I will say, uh, if you're thinking about your accent at this moment, one thing I will say is that I think the most important thing is that you speak clearly and that uh, the other people around you can understand exactly what you want to say. And you should let clarity guide you not how you perceive the social status of different accents. For example, if you're looking for an accent, if you're looking for the perfect accent that will make everyone love you, then you're not going to find it because, um, you know, everyone's got a different attitude to certain accents. Uh, For example, if you're looking for an accent that makes you sound posh, watch out because some other people might not have positive associations with posh, for example. Um, So... um, there is no accent which is universally neutral and um, uh, that everyone will like. The main thing, I think, for me, the most important thing for you to think about is um, you've got to just be true to yourself. You've got to be clear, try to be clear uh, so that people understand what you're saying. But at the same time, just be true to yourself, which is kind of a, a guiding idea, I suppose, because you might be thinking, but Luke, what do English people think of me when I speak with my foreign accent? Do they hate me? Well, no, they they shouldn't. Uh, obviously, some people are prejudiced and they're going to instantly make a snap judgment about you uh, when they hear that you've got a foreign accent. But those people are idiots, you know, like uh, people shouldn't be judgmental. The main thing for you is that you uh, are true to yourself and that you're clear. So the, the point I'm trying to make there is that um, you should try to get a very clear pronunciation, but don't try to hide your roots. Don't try to hide where you come from, um, because that's part of who you are. So if we can hear traces of your accent, that's fine, in my opinion, as long as it's clear. For example, I don't know, like my wife, for example, is French, um, and uh, she speaks English very clearly, but she's got traces of a French accent. And it's charming. It's nice. We like it. Um, you know, if you go to the the UK and you've got your uh, exotic sounding foreign accent, as long as everyone can understand you, the accent can be an advantage because it can be sexy and, and attractive and interesting and exotic and full of character and stuff like that. So, you know, don't let your accent hold you back. 
as long as you're communicating effectively, uh, the accent can be an advantage. It can be, uh, it can make you stand out. It could, it can make you in, original and interesting. Um, so, okay, right. Back to Lord of the Rings then. Back to Lord of the Rings. So first of all, um, Lord of the Rings is uh, is set in a fantasy world, isn't it? The writer J R J R R Tolkien. It's difficult to say J R R Tolkien. J R J R R J R R Tolkien. He created the world um, of Lord of the Rings originally as an exercise in linguistics. Yeah, because um, he was a linguist and he created his own languages, and um, then he needed a world for those languages to exist in. I think the first language he created was Elvish. I think that's the right word, Elvish. And that's not how Sean Connery says Elvis. Although actually it is uh, Elvish, Presley. No, Elvish was the language that uh, Tolkien invented. I'm just going to check that. Elvish. Um, Wikipedia says the languages were the first thing Tolkien created for his uh, his stories, starting with what he originally called Quenya, the first primitive form of Elvish. This was later called Quenya. Um, so Kenya became Quenya, High Elven, and is one of the two most complete of Tolkien's languages, the other being Sindarin or Grey Elven. So there's High Elven and Grey Elven, these two languages that Tolkien created. Um, Before he created any of the stories, he created these languages. And then what he needed to do was create a context in which those stories could exist. And so he created the world that we see in Lord of the Rings, okay? Uh, It was just a a world created uh, for his languages to exist within. Um, He was also interested in the idea of creating a mythology for the UK, a set of myths and legends, you see, because many cultures um, in the world have their ancient myths and legends, you know, these big, big old stories of gods doing kind of big godly type things. Um, You know, you've got the Greek myths and things like that. I'm sure you have some um, spectacular Chinese myths as well, like these old... uh, uh, mythical stories. I'm sure that, you know, in many different parts of the world, you have um, these big ancient stories. Now, um, uh, Tolkien was interested in creating a mythology for the UK because all of our myths and legends uh, had been lost due to the thing, due to the times that we've been invaded over the years, because the UK has been invaded many times over the years. And so our old Celtic mythologies um, have been lost mostly. I think really the legend of King Arthur may be the only surviving one, uh, but I'm sure we had many other myths and legends that were basically lost because we were invaded by the Saxons um, uh, from sort of uh, you know Denmark, Germany, uh, Scandinavia, that area. Uh, so we were invaded by Germanic tribes over many years. We were invaded by the Romans, of course. Uh, We were invaded by the Normans from France. Um, So all these different invaders kind of um, replaced our old Celtic stories with their myths, you see. And so our ancient, genuinely ancient myths and legends have been lost. Uh, We have, we we often read, uh, there's a what is it? Which which is it? Beowulf. Beowulf is a, a myth and uh, a myth that we have in the UK, uh, but really Beowulf, I think, comes from the sort of uh, um, I think it's a Germanic origin. So Tolkien, I think, felt a little sort of disappointed that many of our much older Celtic stories had been lost. So he wanted to create uh, a new set of myths to replace all of the uh, the ones that we'd lost, which had been replaced by Saxon or Norse stories from Denmark, for example, or with Judo-Christian narratives from the Old Testament of the Bible or Greek myths and so on. So these things had all replaced our Celtic myths. So Tolkien created a made-up world. Uh, he wrote his own myths and legends and created different languages for the made-up races of people, elves, orcs, dwarves, hobbits, ents, and others to speak. Okay, so the characters in Lord of the Rings in the books 
spoke different languages, uh, languages that don't exist really in the real world outside of the work of, of Tolkien. Uh, so they either spoke different languages or they spoke English with different accents. Now, the accents in the book were never, I think, never really aligned with real accents in the real world. We just had to imagine the accents in our heads while we were reading the book. Uh, okay, so, uh, you know, Tolkien didn't doesn't say at any point in the book, you know, and then Gimli spoke with a Liverpool accent um, or anything like that. Um, instead, he just described the characters and described the sort of tone of their voices and things, and you just had to try and imagine... Uh, those accents in your heads. Uh, but, you know, the characters are so well described and the context is so rich that it's not really difficult to imagine these voices full of richness and rough, roughness, smoothness, humour, spirit, courage, malice, and so on. So when we read these books, we just imagine the accents in our heads or we just have a kind of gut feeling about how the characters would speak based on the way they've been described. Gandalf, for example. Gandalf... Um, I imagine could be, I mean, when I when reading the books, I imagine Gandalf as, as having like a very sort of um, uh, sophisticated voice full of depth, that he could be very warm and very entertaining, like some kind of fantastic old professor in some dusty old school. But then he could also be very sharp and complex and frightening as well. Um, and you imagine this very sort of high level language. And an accent that is appropriate for that. For the hobbits, you imagine the hobbits to have sort of local accents of the countryside, reflecting their kind of um, their their rural way of life and their limited worldview, their proximity to the land and to nature, and that that kind of makes me think of local accents from countryside areas of the UK, places that look a bit like the Shire. Uh, that seem a bit like that, the kind of rolling, gentle countryside of the Shire. So I kind of think of maybe the West Country, you know, regions in the West, the Southwest of the UK. Apparently, Tolkien based Hobbiton or based the Shire on the place where he grew up. And he grew up in Warwickshire, which is actually where I grew up as well. He grew up in the countryside of Warwickshire and... Um, so he imagines these this kind of gentle countryside with gentle rural folk. And in, in Warwickshire, people do speak with a, a, a sort of a mixture of a Midlands accent and a West Country accent. Um, and, uh, you know, in Warwickshire, people speak a bit like this in some places. Like where I grew up, every, everyone spoke a bit like this. So it's sort of like this. All right, mate, how's it going? It's sort of like a Birmingham accent, but it's it's not as strong as a Birmingham accent. And the further west that you go in Warwickshire, the further you go to towards sort of the southwest, then people start... But you start getting this sense that people start speaking with a, a slightly more of a West Country voice like that a little bit. Um all right, so that's kind of how I imagined the hobbits to sound, a bit sort of countryside and probably from the West Country. Um, um, so, but in the books, the accents were never really directly described. So I imagine that turning the books into films was always going to be a challenge because the filmmakers had to turn those made-up accents, those imagined accents, into real world accents because they had to choose actors who were going to play those parts um so which accents uh should each character have this question was probably just as important as choosing what they should look like or what they should wear uh perhaps it was even more difficult uh because their appearances were clearly explained in the books choosing the accents though was a matter of matching the right accent to the personality traits of the characters and it it, it, you know, the right accent could just add exactly the right kind of tone for that character. Now, this is quite interesting because it tells us a little bit about how we immediately judge pe people based on their accents. For example, some accents make you think of royalty. Some accents make you think of the countryside. Uh, some accents make you think of, you know, rugged um mountain mountainous countryside some accents make you think of rolling smooth countryside um, the accents to an extent are part of the landscape uh, the accents are quite closely connected to certain geographical locations in the real world so 
the rolling hills of Hobbiton, uh, the sharp peaks and deep chasms of the Misty Mountains, and the large halls and palaces of Gondor, all these um, places have accents that seem appropriate to them. So what are the accents? Let's now get down to business and, and actually identify the different accents that you've heard in these films. So first of all, all of the accents are British, okay? They're all British. There are no American accents in the film, even though some of the actors are American, notably Viggo Mortensen, who plays Aragorn, Sean Austin, who plays Sam Gamgee, and Liv Tyler, who plays Arwen. All of those actors are American, but they're doing British accents in the films and doing a pretty good job in the most part, uh, for the most part, uh, except for Sean Austin as Sam Gamgee, because his accent slips into his North American accent uh, sometimes. Um, and it's kind of a little bit jarring when he starts speaking with a slightly American accent. But it's, you know, you kind of forgive him for it because um, it's Sam Gamgee, you know, and he's just such a lovely character. He doesn't matter really. Plus also the West Country accent that he's trying to do, that kind of, that Mr. Frodo, that sort of West Country accent like that. It's not a million miles away from an American accent because they, they have that sort of rounded R sound. I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher. I, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm a, you're a teacher, you know, you're a teacher, are you? And, uh, hey, you're a teacher, are you? I know. They're quite similar in, in some aspects, like particularly the R sounds. Um, all right. Uh, there are also several Australian actors in the film. Hugo Weaving, who plays Elrond, and Kate Blanchett, who plays Galadriel. They're both Australian, but again, they're doing British accents. There's also a, a Kiwi actor in there, the guy who plays uh, Aoma, one of the riders of Rohan, is from New Zealand, but he's doing a British accent as well. So all the accents are British. Now, uh, why are the accents all British? Um, considering the film was mostly made in New Zealand, um, and it was, uh, I, I guess, like f financed by an American... Uh, Hollywood studio, uh, directed by a, a Kiwi with a, a, a Kiwi production crew. When I say Kiwi, I mean from New Zealand. Um, and yet, uh, all the accents in the film are British. Why? Well, um, I think it's because um, the certainly for an American audience or for an international audience, um, the a British accent suggests a sort of otherness, like an otherworldliness. When you consider that, generally speaking, for, for the world of Hollywood, for mainstream cinema, American, standard American English is the, is the neutral accent. So an American accent is a neutral accent. That's like zero sort of thing. And a British accent suggests something other, you know, from another world kind of thing. Um, and also it's, it's the language of um, the old world to an extent from the point of view of the United States of America. Now, often in American Hollywood movies, British accents uh, are used for certain types of characters. And the, ac the, the characters you get generally in Hollywood films, the sort of stereotypical British characters, most of the time they're the bad guys. And, you know, just look at Star Wars as an example. Um, all of the people who work in the Death Star are all kind of classically trained British actors. You know, we've analysed their attack plan, sir, and it seems that they may have found a weakness. Uh, shall I ready your shuttle for escape? Escape in our moment of victory, in our moment of triumph. Um, so they're all sort of like these old school English guys who speak with heightened RP on the Death Star. Although saying that, a lot of the other characters in the Star Wars universe also speak with an English accent, like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi speaks in this kind of voice, and it's the voice of Alec Guinness. And I guess that's because he represents a kind of um, a wise old wizard kind of guy. Um, so British accents are used here to represent the old world and an, an another world kind of thing, uh, separate from the standard neutral American English that you normally hear in movies. And also, I think it's based on Tolkien's 
uh, original readings of his own work that Tolkien used to, um, you know, there's there's quite a lot of interview footage of Tolkien talking about his characters, explaining the language that they used and kind of telling us more. And so the, the filmmakers wanted to be faithful to an extent to Tolkien's vision of Middle-earth. And so they sort of replic- they used the recordings that he'd made as the basis for some of the characterization, I think. And so, you know, naturally British English is the is is the language of Middle Earth, you know? So let's talk a little bit more about certain characters and certain races of of uh characters in, in the, the Lord of the Rings universe. So we'll start with Frodo. Uh Frodo Baggins. Now Frodo speaks in standard received pronunciation. Generally, the hobbits are associated with a kind of rural, local charm. They're warm characters with a strong sense of local identity. You know, they probably like work on the land or something. You can just imagine any part of England about 100 years ago, somewhere in the countryside. And, you know, you can imagine like farmers, local shopkeepers and things like that. All the hobbits in the movies have accents to give this kind of... Uh, colour, this kind of dimension to their characters, except Frodo, because Frodo speaks with received pronunciation because he's from a slightly higher class than the other hobbits. Now, this isn't obvious. It's not made that obvious in the films and in the books, but it's it's true that he comes from quite a, 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 a sort of um, uh, an upper class family uh, by the standards of the Shire. Um so he is, you know, he's he's from a fairly upper class family, I think. Uh, the Bagginses, you know, they've got a lot of they've they've got some wealth and um, they're, they're slightly higher status than some of the other um, people in in Hobbiton. So Frodo speaks with standard RP in order to kind of give this sense of social status to him. And then the other Hobbits have got regional accents. So we'll start with Sam. Sam Gamgee, he comes from the southwest. His accent, I mean, comes from the southwest of England. It's a, a stereotype of the country bumpkin. That means the kind of, you know, not very, not very highly educated um, guy who works in the countryside. He's probably a farmer. He's a fairly simple-minded person. Um, the country bumpkin. He's kind of. Uh, not very clever, not very well educated, but he's a simple guy and he's friendly and he's reliable and, uh, you know, he might be a bit stupid and a bit foolish at times, but he's basically a good person. So he's got a soft and homely kind of accent, which is that that West Country accent. And it's working class, really, because Sam is definitely a working class country boy to Frodo's upper class master. In fact, the relationship between Frodo and Sam is very much rooted in the old class system that Frodo is kind of the middle class landowner and Sam is kind of like his servant who works on on his land in fact in the stories Sam is uh, Frodo's gardener so Sam works for Frodo and you you see this relationship all throughout the uh, the the stories that uh, he's incredibly faithful to Frodo he just has this innate sense of sort of duty to his master. Um, and it's pretty beautifully um, kind of played out in the story that these two, that there is, there is obviously a division in the, in the class between these two, but they, through the adventure, they, that class division sort of breaks down to the point at which it doesn't matter anymore. It, it, when they get to the end of the story, and it's you know, a matter of life and death, and they're trying to complete the mission. Um, the class divide just sort of breaks down, and they they just become stripped of their class uh, distinctions, and they just become two hobbits trying to trying to save the world. You know, um, so that's Sam West Country accent. Uh, Pippin, one of the other hobbits. Um, Pippin speaks with a Scottish accent. Now, I'm not sure exactly which part of Scotland it comes from, but he's got a Scottish accent. And I think that there's not really a real reason for him having a Scottish accent beyond just the fact that it gives him a slightly sort of uh, an old world kind of uh, rustic charm to his voice. Um, 
I mean, he's got a fairly middle-class Scottish accent. It's not a really broad, urban, Glaswegian accent, but a kind of a... sounds like a um, a more middle-class Scottish accent to me. And it kind of just gives a bit of colour to his, his voice. Um, now, I, there is something on Wikipedia about Pippin's accent, and this is what Wikipedia says. So uh, it says, The filmmakers originally planned for the actor... Um, I think his name's Tommy Boyd. Uh, They planned for the actor to uh, adopt an English accent for the role in keeping with the other hobbits. However, Peter Jackson found that Boyd's comic timing was not as good when he wasn't using his native accent. Therefore, it was decided to allow Boyd to play the role with a Scottish accent. The decision was justified by the observation that the Took land in which uh, uh, the Took family lived was a very hilly region of the Shire and was therefore vaguely similar to Scotland and that the Tooks invented the game of golf, just like the Scots. So I guess the reason is that the reason he's got a Scottish accent is because the actor is from Scotland, so he kept his original accent. But it kind of works because uh, Pippin is from a, 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 another family of hobbits that live in another area which is has a different geographical um, nature. Uh, apparently it's hilly and, you know, Scotland is hilly. And um, so it just made Pippin um, kind of unique among the other hobbits because he's from a different part of the Shire. Uh, but also that sort of Scottish accent gives him, um, you know, more, more old world charm, certainly... Uh, in the eyes of an international audience, or the ears in this case. Uh, Then there's Merry, the other hobbit, and this actor comes from Stockport near Manchester. And again, he keeps his normal accent in the film. And again, that adds a bit of local colour. It's not really that strong, but um, you can hear the local accent, which again, it sort of suggests a slightly lower social class uh, to Frodo, and also just brings in those sort of associations that we have with the rural or or, or local or parochial um, uh, voice, okay? Um, all right, then. So then there are characters Aragorn, Gandalf, Legolas, Galadriel, Elrond, and Saruman, and others. And all of these characters speak with... Uh, received pronunciation. In fact, kind of heightened received pronunciation old-fashioned, posh-sounding, heightened RP. Because these characters are the high-class people in the story, particularly the elves, who all speak high RP, um, which is that old, posh type of language, which makes those characters all sound like old thespian Shakespearean actors or ex-public schoolboys, and this reflects their high status in the story and the richness and depth of their culture. The elves are an interesting one because someone like Elrond, who is basically like the king of the elves, he, Elrond speaks in this kind of very heightened RP voice like this, the same as Gandalf. Um, but there are some elves in the story who who speak a, another kind of... Um, uh, with a slightly different accent. And that is the one that's influenced directly by Tolkien's original um, version of his elvish uh, uh, language, right? So there's the high elven language that he created. And this is this is the really sort of interesting, mysterious language that he created. And he was influenced by... Um, other languages he was in he was influenced to a large extent by welsh um by um i think uh, scandinavian languages like norse languages icelandic and things like that and so this high elven in the movie which you don't hear very often um this high elven language i think is influenced by the recordings of uh tolkien speaking in um in in his language that he created. Um, we're going to listen to some samples in a bit, okay? I'm going to go through some clips and some samples and we'll hear them. Um, uh, and so we can actually can make, make comparisons between these different accents. Boromir, uh, the character of Boromir, who's played by Sean Bean, who you also know from uh, a, the Game of Thrones TV show. Boromir has a Yorkshire accent. He's from Sheffield. The actor is from Sheffield in Yorkshire. And uh, the character uses his 
uh, uses um, uh, Sean Bean's native accent. Um, now, Boromir could have spoken with RP like the other, um, like the other high-level uh, characters, like like Aragorn, but um, Sean Bean's natural Yorkshire accent gives his character a bit of authenticity and a kind of northern ruggedness. That sort of Sean Bean accent like that. You know, we could take the ring and we could use it against Sauron. He's, he's got that sort of Yorkshire accent like that and it's um, it gives it a, a slight sort of sense of northern ruggedness and authenticity. And um, also it sort of matches the character because um, it's an accent with with depth and some some sense of rugged landscape. Um, and also, Boromir in the film doesn't have the same family connections as Aragorn. In the film, Boromir's family are the stewards of Gondor. They're basically there to... Um, they're, they're there to kind of uh, look after the kingdom of Gondor while the proper royal family is not around. Because they're, you know, it's a complicated story. But basically, there's a there's a royal family, a line of kings, that gets broken. Um, I think it's Isildur who is the, uh, yeah, and it's too, a bit too complicated. There's a line of kings, and that line gets broken, um, and um, the the kingdom, the the kings, uh, the royal family of Gondor gets kind of scattered and broken, and uh, another family takes their place. Uh, and sort of holds the the, the kingdom for them uh, until uh, the original family line comes back. Now, I'm not going to give you any spoilers if you haven't seen the film or read the books. I'm not going to tell you, but there is the, the reason why the the last uh, book in the trilogy is called The Return of the King is because one of the characters comes back uh, and reclaims the throne and and the uh, the old royal family lineage, lineage is sort of uh, put back in place again so boromir's family are not part of the same lineage as the the proper king of gondor um and so they don't have the same the same level of stature they don't have quite the same level of status so boromir's um yorkshire accent is quite appropriate because he's not you know, quite uh, as upper class as um, as the uh, as characters like Gandalf and uh, Aragorn and and these high elves. Um, all right, so yeah, uh, Yorkshire accent for Boromir. Then there's uh, Gimli the dwarf, and um, now I think he, this accent is supposed to be Welsh, but it it's difficult to say the actor who plays Gimli is from Wales originally and I think that he Gimli is to an extent using a certain amount of interpretation here with the character and he's just kind of created a pretty unique accent but it's kind of Welsh sounds a bit Scottish I think it's really supposed to be Welsh and for me Gimli's accent in the film sort of reflects the harshness uh, of the uh, of the dwarves the sort of harsh rough and toughness of them but also a lot of the warmth uh of of them as well um and uh so certainly the the dwarves are kind of parochial and characterful and in for example the hobbit uh movies the dwarves and there are lots of dwarves in that in those films they all have local accents um, like, you know, strong Welsh accents or Scottish accent, or there's a Northern Irish actor in there as well with a Belfast accent. They all have uh, these local accents, except Thorin, who's their leader, and Thorin speaks with received pronunciation. And this, you know, means that Thorin is, is again, of a, a higher status than the others, and so that's reflected in his, uh, his received pronunciation accent. So basically, if you want characterful accents with an old-world flavour, with a rustic kind of rough um, old uh, sort of sense to them, then you go with local British dialects. But if you want that old-world flavour but with a touch of class, then it's old-school received pronunciation. Um, orcs. Orcs. These these are basically the bad guys in the movies. Orcs. These sort of horrible monsters uh, created by Sauron or created by Saruman. Um, orcs, basically, they're cockneys. <laughs> it's really easy with the orcs because they're all, as far as I can tell, they're all cockneys. 
you know, and they all sort of speak like this, don't they? Oh my, you know, when you hear them arguing with each other, they're all cockneys. And to an extent, we associate this accent with sort of, you know, thugs, hooligans, gangsters and criminals. And that's why all the orcs speak like this with cockney accents. It's pretty funny. Um, Gollum. What about Gollum? You know, my precious. What, how does he speak? We will find them, my precious. You know, that's Gollum. Uh, well, Gollum is uh, unique because having owned the ring for like, what, 200 years or something, the ring has consumed Gollum and sort of twisted him into this little monster. And so the traces of his original voice are difficult to hear, but, uh, um, you know, what does he say? Um, yeah, I, I can't really tell, but I, I think it's basically probably received pronunciation, but twisted into something unique. Uh, Andy Serkis, the, the actor who plays Gollum, uh, did a great job of creating this this voice, um, and um, I mean we'll 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 listen to some in a minute and we'll see. So Bilbo Baggins, yeah, he's like Frodo Baggins, speaks with uh, received pronunciation. Arwen, Galadriel, Elrond, they all speak received pronunciation because they're these like fancy posh elves. Aoma, the Aoma, Theoden, and Aowen, these characters who who are from Rohan. You know the 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 people who have all the horses, the riders of Rohan. Uh, Aoma, Theoden, and Aowen are like the members of the royal family in that area, and they all speak with received pronunciation. Uh, Treebeard, who is an ent, you know, one of those tree creatures. He's like half tree, half sort of person. Um, Treebeard speaks in a sort of voice like this, and it's essentially... It's basically old-fashioned received pronunciation as well, because Treebeard is one of the most ancient uh, creatures in the in the land, and so he needs a, uh, a an accent that sort of uh, represents that ancient uh, uh, voice. And he's also... High, he's very powerful. He's one of the most powerful characters in the in the whole story, um, and he's an ancient old power. Uh, and so, you know, you needed this sort of very old voice like this, and it's very posh indeed. Um, Saruman, who's played by Christopher Lee, uh, naturally speaks with with a uh, very heightened RP accent. And then, what about Sauron? Now, we don't actually hear much from Sauron in the films, except, I see you. That's pretty much all he says. I see you. Sounds pretty posh to me. And uh, since Sauron is essentially sort of like uh, a god or a demigod, uh, he's from a pretty high social caste. And so I imagine that if we did hear him speak, he would probably speak uh, very posh English with those inflections of high elven which are influenced by Welsh and Nordic languages, you know? Uh, like when people say Sauron, Sauron, like that, uh, you can hear the, r, the the rolling R, Sauron. Uh, that's something you hear in Welsh. It's also something you hear, I think, in, in uh, Scandinavian languages too. Um, Icelandic, it's not Scandinavia, I know, but uh, it's a Nordic language. Um, okay then. Right, now, uh, how much time do we have? I'm going to keep going, and uh, what I'm going to try and do now is go through the characters and, and try to find samples of them speaking, and then we can actually hear hear what they really sound like and investigate their, their accents a bit more. Okay? How are you doing? You still here? You still with me? Yeah? Good. All right. Well, I might actually break here at this point and then turn this into uh, another episode. Um... Okay, so I think I'm going to do that. Thanks very much for listening all the way up to this point. How's this been for you? How's this episode been for you? Uh, it's actually quite difficult to talk about these accents and this film and sort of bring it together in a way that's really kind of easy to understand. I hope that you've, I hope you're following what I'm saying. It's hard to explain these accents because to an extent, if you don't know them, if you're not familiar with them, then it's almost impossible for me to explain them to you. For example, if I say a local accent or a la- an accent of the countryside, 
that's not really going to mean that much to you unless you've actually heard these accents and you're familiar with the geography of the country and stuff like that. So I hope to an extent you you still manage to follow what I'm saying. Um, I guess in the next episode where I'm going to actually play you recordings of these characters, it should make it a bit uh, clearer. Um, so, you know, forgive me if I'm struggling at times to make this uh, really uh, clear, uh, but I'm doing my best. All right, then. So that's the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And um, I expect I'll upload uh, part two of this uh, straight away and you'll be able to listen to that immediately. OK. All right, then. So for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.